0: If you've listened to Christian radio over the last decade or so, there's a pretty good chance you've heard Focus on the Family president, Jim Daly, on our daily broadcast. And today, we're going to talk with him. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, each week on The Plugged In Show, we talk about some of the relevant pop culture issues that may be affecting and influencing your family. If you've got tweens or teens, or maybe even kids younger or older, you know there are plenty of challenges to navigate in this arena. Someone who's walked through those challenges with his two boys is Jim Daly. So today we're going to talk about some of the life lessons he's learned about guiding our kids through the potential minefields of entertainment and technology. In our second segment, Plugged In's Emily Clark will fill us in on a popular new Netflix show called Inventing Anna. Well, before we dive in, I would also encourage you to follow The Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a comment, leave a review, leave a like. We would love to hear what you're thinking about our conversations. Well, Jim, thanks so much for taking some time to talk to our Plugged In audience today. Adam, I have finally arrived. You have finally arrived. <laughs> now, I sort Plugged of feel in. like I have arrived. <laughs> it's great to be with you. I love what you do. Wow, thank you very much. Jim, we spent a ton of time at Plugged In and on The Plugged In Show trying to guide families and parents and grandparents and youth pastors. Anybody who's got a vested interest in our kids today through all the stuff that's happening out there. Mm. There is a ton of it. You and your wife, Jean, have guided your two boys through teen, their tween, and most of their teen years. How how old are they now? Yeah, 21 and 19. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Living the dream. Living the dream. And My kids are 11, 13, and 15. Yeah, you're right behind us. I'm a little bit behind (laughs) you. but uh, You're in it, actually. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's not an academic thing for me because we're right there. What would you say have been the biggest challenges you've faced when it comes to dealing with Everything related to screens and entertainment and pop culture. Well, I think, you know, here at Focus, on the
1: broadcast side, it's the number one thing we get from parents is what do we do with the screen issues and all that. And, you know, it's something you have to be mindful of. Smartphones, same thing. It's kind of that whole bundle of technology. Right. It all comes together these days. And so, you know, for Jean and I, uh, one of the things that she really championed, which Kind of, uh, it was a little rough for me. Is she just decided because <laughs> I love watching football? Uh huh. And she said, "I really think we should just get rid of TV." Oh boy! And the boys were probably at that age. Let me see. They're probably like eight, ten, so they really weren't spending a lot of time with TV at that point. And Jean did again a wonderful job of helping them build their imagination. We have. I don't even know how many. We have 50 bazillion Lego pieces. Oh, yeah. Thankfully, they're all boxed up. But So you're not stepping on them. Yeah, we're not stepping on as many. But but she really, she allowed them to use their imagination. So our basement was filled with toys and, you know, the marble games where they could yeah. build something. And So she did, as a mom, a great job of distracting them to something that would keep them more entertained. And that was great. It was a little rough for me. And I, I remember, like, I was the little boy going, Mom, I want more football. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) But we probably we didn't have television for like 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that really, I think it contributed to our kids development of a great imagination. Wow. So that was one thing that we did. Well, I think another thing is we delayed phones as long as possible. Okay, I was gonna ask about that. Trent was 17. Wow. And he got a smartphone. Okay. And Troy was 15. They're two years apart. So yeah. the day Trent got his, Troy got his, his little brother. So <laughs> right. he was able to score two years <laughs> earlier. But, you know, a great advice that we got was delay it as long as possible. So the boys at younger ages, they'd come to us and say, oh, mom, dad, all our friends have phones. We need a phone. So we did get them like an emergency flip phone. Yeah. But didn't have any internet connection. Right. So they can carry that in their backpack. If they needed to use it, they could use it. And uh, but it was really much later when they needed GPS. We felt like they were driving, and now it's the time. You yeah. know, a lot of parents are going, "Are you serious? My eight-year-old. I got him the phone." Yeah. I would just say, as was told to us, delay it as long as possible. Troy would say, "Hey, when are we going to get the phone?" I'd say, oh, let me talk to mom." And then he'd forget, and I, frankly, I would forget. Yeah. And six months later, he'd say. Am I getting the phone? Oh, yeah. Let me talk to mom. I forgot to talk to mom. A year later. I mean, it just worked out. And they weren't that persistent because they were busy doing other things. Okay.
0: What kinds of challenges did you run into once you crossed that bridge? Were you surprised? Was it what you expected? Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, you just have to teach your children,
1: and especially your teens, kind of the heart issues. So the behaviors hopefully will follow. And let me tell every parent. They're not going to be perfect. They're going to blow it, probably even like you did in in your generational way. I mean, I wasn't the perfect teenager. I had a lot going on. So I think, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, David. We don't hear about David's parents, right? Right. (laughs) Like if they were alive 65 when he was 40 and, you know, becoming king and sleeps with Bathsheba and then murders her husband, how would you feel as David's mom and dad? Oh, honey, we've blown it. Yet the Lord said David had a heart for the things of God, mm. and I just like applying that to my kids. I want to have a David attitude with them—not that mm. that they would be encouraged to blow it the way David did, but have a heart for God. Because if you have a heart for God,
0: everything's redeemable. Yeah, and that's what Gene and I aim for with our boys. Well, and it seems like that really is a focus on relationship, and totally. I think I think sometimes as we deal with this issue we can be tempted as parents to think it's all about the rules, right? And the rules are important. The boundaries are important. But what have you guys learned about how you balance boundaries and relationships? Yeah, and here, here's, you know, I'll be really vulnerable because it's important. Gene was much better with
1: boundaries than I mm-hmm. I was. And, you know, when I was a kid, I was living with my brother through junior high high school. I had no boundaries. Friday night football, I, I was quarterback of the football team. I'd say to my brother, hey, what time do you want me to come home? And he'd say, like, 2, 3 in the morning. I'm a 16-year-old. <laughs> wow. yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, can I stay out that late? I yeah. mean, what am I going to do? And the other thing, Adam, it's important, I think, we may have had the phone thing in a better place. Yeah, Uh, The screen thing was a disaster for us Hmm. because we got them Nintendo. I think we started with uh, Wii. Yeah. And then the boys started putting the pressure on for a little better games. Right. And I think one wanted a PlayStation. And, and, you know, Gene and I talked about it. Uh, Okay, let's do it. And, you know, they're probably 10, 11, 12. That... I wish we would have delayed longer because that yeah. really, especially for boys, they just gravitate toward video games. And yeah. I think that's been our bigger struggle, especially with our younger one, just, man, how to allow him to do that with budgeted time. Right. I mean, he could sit there for five, six hours and do oh, games. Yeah. You know, we yeah. got to get him distracted. And that that continues, even at 19, to be a battle
0: for us. Well, that leads me to my next question. I think there are a few parents out there And with all due respect to them, they're annoying parents to me who get it all right. You know, there's always those ones that seem like they're nailing it. (laughs) And then there are sort of the rest of us. The rest of us, yeah. (laughs) Struggling. And and we know that things are somewhere between maybe slightly out of kilter or totally out of control. Mm -hmm. As parents, I think we can throw our hands up in the air and just sort of throw in the towel because we think... I have no idea how to begin to get this area back under control. What would you say to parents who feel like, it is out of control, but we're not. They're not sure what the next step is to sort of yeah. begin to rein it back in. I think
1: seriously. I know we're both working in Focus, but and this was not rehearsed. But <laughs> I do think Focus has great resources to help parents do this better. Gene and I have relied on the resources of Focus f- as our parenting role. Yeah. Even though I'm president of Focus, you know, there's it's just a, a great storehouse of the best thinkers in Christendom mm. on these issues, and yeah. plugged in is certainly a great tool. Uh, To help parents in that regard. Thank you. We didn't rehearse that play. Yeah, (laughs) seriously, no. But it is. I think that's our biggest uh, draw is that we're just a storehouse of of information for parents to pull and to find. And uh, but in that in that same way, I think uh, there has to be a sense of reality. I mean, one of the things we do as Christian parents is we set the bar so high. There's no way for our kids to succeed. Yeah. Because our bar is perfection. Yeah. You know, and we've been Christians for. 20 years or 30 years or whatever the number might be when our kids come along and are struggling in this area. And we kind of have to peel that back. And I remember Jean and I having a couple of conversations. And again, she's more black and white than I am. So her struggle with me was you know, get up to speed get with buddy. the program. Come like many dads, yeah. to be honest, who are we're, watching football. We, probably. Tend, <laughs> we tend to be a little more disconnected and that really frustrates a lot of moms. Yeah, I get that more so than I used to. Hmm. And, uh, you know, so Gene carried the weight of that for a long time. And, uh, I would just say, try to create a parenting plan together with that balance that really both of you can feed into mm-hmm. and realize that perfection is not the goal. Training the heart is the goal, not training Mm. behavior. Mm. Behavior will follow the heart, and we've gotta remember that. And I think in our day and age of behavior rewards, we tend to be sticker Christians, which is we give stickers to our kids for the right behavior Mm. rather than the right heart attitude.
0: I love that. I'm gonna try that at home tonight. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what are some other concrete ways that we can help our kids cultivate a biblical worldview when it comes to their entertainment choices. You've talked about sort of doing it as you go and on the fly, but obviously yeah. it takes a kind of intentionality
1: too. I've heard, you know, it's funny you had this area up plugged in, but when I'm on the road meeting with the focused donors and supporters, they'll say, yeah, our teenager boy, they hate it when we go to plugged in, but <laughs> yes, we've couple, wrecked many a teenager's but life. A couple, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> the parents will just say, you know, go read what plugged in says and yeah. then let me know what you should do. Yeah. That's a great starting point, rather than the parent having to do it, go yeah. read it. I've had even parents say that, you know, the, the kids that want to watch something that plugged in is, uh, you know, in, cautioning mm-hmm. parents not to allow, write me a paper as to why I should let you watch it. I yep. mean, that's good. It, it helps the child to think, Yeah. especially that teenager. Yeah. It's a little bit of work, but you're accomplishing a lot with that one. Right. And then occasionally you may have to say, okay, I think you've made a compelling case. You can watch that. And, uh, you know, again, the whole goal is to help them, equip them to manage their options, their media options and their entertainment options. And if you can achieve that with a modicum of success, I think you've done your job. Then you got to trust the Lord for the rest of the
0: way. Right. Well, I know in our family, we look for just natural opportunities that come up and the things that we're enjoying as a family together. That's good. To talk about stuff. We were watching um, America's got talent a couple of years ago and you know, it's about 80, 20 in terms of inspiring versus, Oh, (laughs) let's take a commercial break. Yeah. Well that's good. And this thing came up, this guy was going to do a live seance. And Mm -hmm. my daughter who was like eight or nine at the time said, well, what's a seance? I said, okay, we're going to pause it. And we're actually not going to watch this segment. And Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about why. And we dug into Ephesians. And and wow, so great. Um, anyway, not to pat myself on the back, yeah, but, but that's a good you know, coaching moment. Yeah. And just, that's what all you can do as a
1: parent is to coach, to mentor, to teach your children a wise way to go.
0: Yep. Well, last question for you today, Jim. I think anybody who has ever parented teens has had those moments where you're like, I'm pulling my hair out. I actually don't have any. So I've had a lot of those moments, moments. (laughs) you know, you just feel like you're at the end of your rope. You know, maybe your child is yelling at you. You're yelling at your child over these issues that we've talked about. What would you say to encourage parents who feel like they're struggling to connect with their teens or they're concerned about the choices their teens are making in this area? My guess would be there's been already a
1: pattern of communication or lack of communication. Okay. If you've gotten to that point where you're you're struggling to communicate with your teen, I mean, there's probably that earlier pattern that started to set up. Yeah. So you know, as adults, as the parent, what can we do? Well, we've got to seek humility. We've got to go to our teen and say, yeah, I haven't always done this well, can you yeah. please forgive me oh, that's great. for not doing it well, I want to do it better, I've never been the parent of a teenager, this is the first time for me, <laughs> it's the first time for you, Yeah, and I, I need to learn how to do that well. And then begin to build that relationship in that humility that then they feel heard, they feel like their voice can be heard, And then hopefully they'll open their heart to the wisdom you can impart to them. Why, why I'm cautioning you. Hmm. I know you have the power to do what you can do. I remember Trent one time said to me, he goes, dad, you're not going to be able to make me do anything. Hmm. And that's a realization all of a sudden, you know, and I was, thankfully I was wise enough to say, you know what, Trent, you're right. I mean, this kid now is six foot seven. He's a big boy.
0: That is a large boy.
1: And, you know, I said, you're right. I'm not going to be able to make you do anything, but better for you that you choose it for yourself. Mm. And he actually opened up to that and it registered for him. And that's the wisdom that you have to apply as a parent, how to find that dialogue that you can get into with your teen and they feel respected and heard and you feel respected and heard.
0: Yeah. Well, it seems like it continues to circle back to relationship. And sometimes I think as parents, we want the silver bullet, right? It's like, what's the, yeah. <laughs> what's the secret here that I don't have? Yeah, there's um, no time.
1: <laughs> I need that silver bullet. Um, I've got a lot on my plate.
0: But I love what you have shared just about building relationship. And I think we want to set those boundaries. We want to have an appropriate understanding of the tools that can help us protect our kids. Mm. But we want to have access to their hearts too. That's Absolutely. what I've heard today. And I think,
1: I think, again, Adam, the key thing is how does the Lord... Deal with you. Mm. And just try to apply that. I, I believe the whole metaphor of, of marriage and parenting is God created it so that we could experience what He's mm. how He's relating to us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How do we relate as a father, as a mother mm. to our children? The Lord's trying to do the same thing with us. Love is always there. But, you know, again, mm. wisdom and discipline are part of it. Mm.
0: I love that. And I think that's a great place to stick the landing on this conversation okay, good. today. Good so to be with you. Thanks again, Jim. Really appreciate it. Thanks for everything you do. You bet. In our second segment today, we're going to be talking about a new, really buzzy show on Netflix called Inventing Anna. And I'm assuming this is about some sort of scientist or no. inventor. No. Okay. No. Well, Emily Clark is here to tell us what's going on with this show. So, Emily. What's going on with the show? Why do families need to know about it?
2: So, it's about the Soho scammer, a.k.a. Anna Sorkin, a.k.a. Anna Delvey. That's
0: a lot of a.k.a.s.
2: Well, yeah. Well, she had a lot of aliases.
0: So, um, this is based on a real story.
2: It is based on a real story, except for the parts that are completely made up.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's
2: a good <laughs> yeah, disclaimer. Yeah, that's a disclaimer that the show puts at the beginning of every episode. Um, And really, it's just about this uh German girl who, or Russian, whatever she was, they actually don't know... Fully and truly what she was. But basically she she comes to America. She gets in with New York's elite society and she scams um, a bunch of socialites and hotels and banks out of thousands of dollars. And then she gets caught and gets arrested. And the story takes it on from the point of view of the reporter that kind of broke open the case after she got arrested.
0: Okay. So a couple of follow up questions here it seems like this is like the latest example of a true crime ish kind of thing. Am I right in assuming that totally. Um, And I've seen a lot about this show and obviously we're living in this crazy time where there's tons of streaming options, but Mm -hmm. stuff, stuff kind of, you know, floats to the top and gets the attention of people in the entertainment media. What is it about this show? Do you think that's made it so buzzworthy and might be attracting our teens attention as well?
2: Well, it's created by Shonda Rhimes, who's really well-known for Scandal and Grey's Anatomy, and um, it's very well-acted. It's got Anna Chlumsky uh, from the My Girl movie franchise, and then um, just a bunch of other... I don't necessarily know that I know everybody's name. Um, Laverne Cox is in it, and so it's buzzy for that reason, just because of the actors and the good acting in it but um, I think the story itself is just very interesting because it's a, this girl she's like she came from nothing and she managed to get into this elite social society that like is reportedly impossible to get into and she she's scamming these banks and these hotels and it's like how did she get away with it? So That's she's the whole like thing. a
0: total con artist. Oh
2: yeah she's a total con artist but she's so deep in her own lies that she believes them herself huh. and you know it totally plays into the whole influencer social media, okay. you know, princess type lifestyle, which is probably another attraction factor, especially for teens, you know, but there's actually a line in the show where, where the main character says, you know, lots of girls look at magazines. Most don't commit wire fraud, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that's part of the reason why it's so interesting. The character is interesting. The story is interesting. And I think people just want to know, how did she get away with it? And yeah.
0: So from a parental point of view, if, you know, this pops up in our Netflix feed or our kids ask questions about it, what's going on content-wise that parents need to be aware of?
2: Uh, obvious concerns would be the language. You got everything up to and including the F word. Uh, sexual content is there. There's nothing... Tutu too, too graphic Like you don't see Any nudity But you see enough That it would make You, you know uncomfortable. what's going on Yeah exactly And then there's just You know the whole thing About money And you know How the love of money What it does to a person
0: Okay so Is there, would you say there's a cautionary message intended or present there?
2: I I think so. I think that, you know, this show will attract teens, but it's not marketed towards teens. Not from what I can tell. This feels like a grown-up story, but it will attract teens' audiences. And like I said, that line about how, you know, lots of girls look at magazines, most don't commit wire fraud. I mean, there is a cautionary note there. Like, hey, she didn't get away with it. She went to jail. She went to prison and lost half her life, you know? So
0: And (laughs) yet, I I mean, I I think with this whole true crime thing, we kind of want to have it both ways, right? Like on one hand, there is a cautionary message. And on the other hand, it's almost impossible to tell these kinds of stories without glamorizing them or glorifying them a little bit, don't it, you think? It, well,
2: yeah, and it kind of it breaks that down, you know, it goes into the whole, like, did she have this money and she just you know, lost track of it? Like, what was going on? Like, it, the reporter really tries to get into her head to understand, because, you know, this girl, even in prison you know, she's sitting there in this gray jumpsuit and she has the gall to sit there and insult the reporter's clothing, because she's wearing maternity clothing, because she's pregnant. Are you pregnant? Or are you just so very very fat it's trying to explore like what was so grand about this lifestyle that she just couldn't live without it you know and uh, the whole thing is that you know she wanted to be famous she wanted to be uh, She wanted to be known for being a, an accomplished young woman. And, you know, she just like I said, she was believing her own lies and it kind of breaks that down. It's like, OK, well, we're glad that you feel like you're a good person, but you you broke these people around you. You know, even the reporter, the reporter and the lawyer, they were so invested in her like they it, At first they were invested for themselves, but by the end of the story, you know, they actually care about her and not because she's a good person or that she's nice to them. She's terrible to them, but they, it's like, they can't help themselves. It's like, they want to protect her. They see her as like a daughter figure.
0: Okay. So again, this show is called inventing Anna. And if you want to find out more about it, you can check out Emily's full review at pluggedin.com. Thanks, Emily. And now it's time for a part of the show we call Pop Culture Connection. In addition to Emily and I, Kristen Smith and Jonathan McKee are joining us as well. Here's how it's going to work. I've got, oh, about a dozen pop culture-related questions in a hat. Well, it's a metaphorical hat, but let's just pretend. And our producer, Ashley, is going to draw one, and each of us will have 30 seconds to answer the question. So we're going to keep score, too, because these are questions where basically you want to come up with reasons for your answers. So say my question was, which is better, Star Wars or Star Trek, and why? For each reason you give, Star Wars, uh, you get a point. Thank you, Jonathan. That is the correct answer. So whoever comes up with the most answers to the questions that Ashley reads to us will win. And obviously each person gets a new question so you don't have an unfair advantage. So you're oh. not actually sitting there thinking, Oh, I can come up with more reasons than that. All right. Ashley, are you ready to lead us into pop culture connection? I am ready. All right, let's do are it. Are you ready? I'm All ready. right. All right.
3: I think Jonathan's gonna go first since he was the clear winner last time. Ooh, Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. So Jonathan, your question is you can choose one arcade game console to put in your basement. What do you pick and why?
0: Absolutely. The clear answer is Donkey Kong because, first of all, you get to be Mario. Second of all, you get to grab a hammer. Third of all, you're going against primates and primates are kind of stinky and throw stuff at you. You also get to climb ladders. Uh, you get to fight, you know, awesome bad guys. Um, your friends will want to play the game because it's so classic. I've got a t-shirt that says Donkey Kong that matches it. Um, it also <laughs> has amazing colors. It has the best soundtrack of all video games. It is one of the best Better, no, you get the extra.
3: <laughs> oh, nice, nice. It, it is
0: one of the better. We can't argue with that.
3: <laughs> all right, I have eight all points right. for Jonathan.
0: I think that sounds
3: nice. He's gonna win. Eight is
0: Generous. the number to be. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? If Jonathan wins this game every week, we're gonna have to rig it. <laughs> yeah, all right, no. sure. All we right. all
2: get to prepare our but, uh, time.
0: But that was really <laughs> yeah, good. Well, welcome, good. welcome to my world. <laughs>
3: All right, Adam, you are next. Oh, okay. And your question is, if aliens came to Earth and you had to pick one TV show to have them watch to learn about humans, what would you pick and why?
0: Oh, good question. Oh, that is a hard question. I'm gonna go with the Dukes of Hazzard because <laughs> cars are a big part of our lives. Um, oh, I'm losing so badly. Uh, Because sometimes we solve conflict with bows, arrows, and dynamite Because, you know, there's the law There's breaking the law There's human interaction around that Um, Sometimes the good people get blamed for bad things they don't do
3: Oh, nice.
0: Yeah, you know, Duke's a hazard. Duke's a hazard, with it. that's
3: a good one. All right, so you got seven <laughs> points. Boy,
0: that's pretty good that for was, feeling that my pretty kid. good. It didn't go very well. For, for that yeah. long pause, that was good. Right? right? I wasted so much time. Ah, uh, Who's next?
3: Emily. Okay. Emily. All right, Emily. We'll stir these around and Stirring get you a good question. Which is the best early internet rom-com, Sleepless in Seattle or You've Got Mail and Why.
2: You've Got Mail. Uh, and also, this is not a fair question because I was going to say Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, but they're in both movies. <laughs> right,
1: right. Trick question.
3: Um,
2: no, uh, You've Got Mail because of the Yahoo You've Got Mail thing that I remember from when I was a child because of Tom Hanks' coffee rant about Starbucks, because yep. of all of the books, uh, because of the little bookshop around the corner, which I think is the most darling shop ever, because it's at Christmas, uh, because, oh my gosh, I, oh, because of that weird song thing that they do in the middle of the movie.
3: Oh, oh, nice! I think she should win. <laughs> so,
0: to our our listening audience at home, Kristen was literally jumping up and down <laughs> with, with with uh, in excitement, and um, maybe we'll do that You're question so for well. you in Thank the future. You. That would be fun.
3: <laughs> no,
2: nice. I I kind of I was sitting there. I was like, "Come on,
0: no, give I me actually, some Hanks. I think
3: she should win." Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan are both reasons in and of themselves. Right. I will, I bet they were in both movies and I didn't
2: so,
0: think that was
3: fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right. I gave All you right. one point for the two of them. So oh, you have okay. seven points. Oh, really? Okay. You tied with Adam. I did Jonathan still Kristen, ahead. it comes down to you. This no pressure, so Kristen. You have to no do pressure. your own Jonathan. <laughs> All right, Kristen. I won't be able to. Are you ready for this? I don't know. All right. I freeze under pressure. is, list as many reasons as possible why one of these bands or artists is the greatest ever. The Beatles, The Beach Boys, The Rolling Stones, U2, Keith Green, The Supremes, or Aretha Franklin. Or pick your own. I can pick my own? Yeah. All right. I'm going to pick Mumford Incense. It's because I like all the folk. It's because I saw them in concert and it was a spiritual experience. That's actually three reasons. It's because they have the coolest name ever. That's four reasons. It's because their music takes me to a peaceful amazing place five reasons um it's because their lyrics are unparalleled six reasons um i have their band t-shirt they have awesome logo seven and oh my gosh oh because you can just like you could jam out oh is that an eighth reason like you could really jam out and get lost in the okay yeah
0: and i decided to call an audible on the question because i realized you weren't born when any of those other people came out and so i wasn't (laughs) sure you had heard of any of them
3: so oh, stressful. Man. That's not very I nice. I've heard of all of them, but I Thank don't have you. enough. Yeah. And I <laughs> nice. encourage
0: our listeners to go back and count those. All right, uh, Jonathan. I knew. <laughs> I knew I was
3: stretching. Okay, but I majored in English. All right, so and Kristen, counts.
0: you owe me big time for
3: Jonathan. One,
0: I cheated on your behalf. Well, Jonathan, so. won. I I counted
3: no. eight reasons along with you, so I well, think you you're Jonathan tied with Jonathan this, this week. week. I
0: thought she was gonna. I thought she was gonna pick John Mayer. I was just as soon as said, I was gonna. I John wanted Mayer.
3: to. I didn't know what to do. It was stressful. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Next week we'll we'll have a question. That was good. You know, how many reasons can you give for why John Mayer is the best?
3: Because his Okay, that's not actually a real question. I'm not gonna do that because that's just for one person. Okay.
0: Well, that was fun and I look forward to doing it again with y'all next week. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us today at the Plugged In Show. We hope that you enjoyed our conversation with Focus on the Family President, Jim Daly, And we would love to hear from you what some of the biggest issues are you have faced with regard to entertainment and technology as you have raised your kids. So let us know on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And we would love to hear from you. We'd also like to say thank you for being a part of the Plugged In Show family. So today, for a gift of any amount, we'll send you a copy of Jim Daly's book, When Parenting Isn't Perfect. You'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on the Plugged In blog entry for our conversation this week. Or just give us a call at 800 A Family. Thanks again for taking some time to join us today. We look forward to connecting with you again next week for another episode of The Plugged In Show.